Hi, I'm Bex Dillon and welcome to this podcast, Conversations on Faith and Equality. This is the start of our second season and we're going to be continuing along the same theme. The aim of this podcast is to look at issues of inequality and injustice that there are in the world, but to hear people's stories of their experience and as you hear their story and understand what they've been through or how society treats them, then hopefully it opens our eyes to some of the inequalities and biases that there are in, around us. And I want to look at a whole range of different issues again in this season, but I'm really excited to start with the amazing Anna Smith. Anna has written a book called Meet Mrs. Smith and she speaks She's spoken at different things all over the world, but as she says in this podcast, if you cut to her core, who she who she really is is a mother, and she is an amazing mother of six kids, and they live here in Brighton, near me. And the reason why I wanted to talk to Anna is that since becoming a mum, I've sort of seen the a lot of the issues of inequality that that surround the issue of motherhood because there's and and over covid we've seen it even more with the toll of homeschooling falling mainly on women the household chores and errands falling again on women and there are studies that um have come out saying as soon as women have children the impact on their earnings so drastically tends to decline even if they were earning more than their spouse before they had children And I think when we look at society so often, how we value people is on money or what we deem to be successful or achievement. And actually, motherhood doesn't really get any of that. But Anna is someone who has selflessly given so much of her life to her kids and in an amazing way. And when you know her and know what she's like and know her kids and see what they're like, you see the impact that that's had. So I really wanted to talk to her about how she did it, how she worked out equality in her marriage when the roles have been totally different and Martin's been touring and on stage and doing music all over the world and she's been at home with six kids. But And also the this issue of how we value parenting and the role that a parent plays in society. And then also just wanted to get some just parenting tips because she does it so well and so I'm trying to learn from her. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and um, enjoy hearing from Anna as much as I do. I think she's a real inspiration. Here you go. Thank you so much, Anna. It's so really nice that you're doing this and that you're here. Um, for ages I've been thinking I really want to interview Anna because I feel like so many people who know you are just like what did she do not just from like I think partly from just knowing you and being around you but also from your kids like the Mm. more that I get to know your children I'm like what did she do and how do I make my kids turn out like that they just just feels like there's something quite extraordinary Mm. about you guys as a family obviously you've how you sort of started life as parents has been so different to other people with Martin and Delirious and touring. And so was he, when you guys met and got married, Delirious had started, had it, and he was doing it? No, we, we were, when I met Martin, it, nothing, he was a sound engineer, um, okay. and then he was working 
um, in a studio and then he was doing a youth event with the local church and that's how um, a lot of people he started singing, writing songs at this local youth event called Cutting Edge. And that's where the songs and eventually Delirious was, the band was formed out of that youth network, yeah. Okay. And were you together then? But Yes, yeah, so I met Martin in the middle of all that. Okay. He came and kind of hang out with um, my church and started running that youth group. And so that's how I got to know him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we've been married 27 years now, wow. so something like that. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. It's been really interesting. Yeah. And how long was that delirious sort of time where he? Because then quite quickly it took off. I mean, I remember my brothers having their like cassette tapes of Cutting really, Edge. Do you remember those? Yeah, oh I remember. Like, What's Cutting Edge? And it's like so. The thing about it was, it was like there was nothing like mm-hmm. like now we there is so much sort of music like that that kind of mm-hmm. speaks to people and impacts people. But there, it just felt like there yeah. wasn't no. anything. It really was. Like cutting edge, it was like perfect. Maybe yeah. it was like so different. It was really, he was really like pioneering something mm. new, and then it sort of took off. Yeah, and I think being in that together definitely, even though so we were married, I think um, we got married, and then it cutting edge was, I think it was for one year, and then delirious happened mm-hmm. after that's right because he had a car crash. Um, broke his leg and he was in hospital he fell asleep uh-huh. at the wheel uh, had a car crash a year after we were married and it was during those two weeks he was in hospital he broke his femur that he really felt God speak to him and say you know now's the time to stop all your jobs um, and just do full time and that's when the band was formed Delirious and that's where it, uh-huh. it started from so I think because I kind of journeyed with him in that uh-huh. I was in the car when he crashed I kind of understood the I don't know sometimes it takes those moments of life is short for yeah. you to think okay what am I doing what where are we going and so we were both really excited about starting mm. something which we knew God had called us to so from the start I think even though Martin was obviously more up front on a stage doing the mm. outward stuff I never felt I was any less important I always felt and I think that was probably to do with him making me feel that. Yeah. But also, I, I honestly did feel that, for most of the time, together with him in it. Um, so it wasn't um, ever a, a rivalry or who's more important. Or yeah. just because he was on the stage, I just knew my value. Yeah. I knew my value as a, as a woman. I knew my value, and I think that comes down from my mum, um, and just knowing who you are. Yeah. And also being... A child of God for me, I know that's a bit of a cringy term, but I knew I knew my heavenly father and mm-hmm. I knew um yeah, and he carried me through that time, I think, of when I thought I'd lost Martin in the car. So you just cling on yeah. to different things in those right. seasons and for me that was really critical. The start of our marriage, that was kind of quite a full on season. Mm. And then did so then when Delirious sort of really became quite big and started touring, mm. did you would you go with him before you had kids? So they didn't actually, it was a very slow process, mm-hmm. um, the whole build and people think it happened. And it, and, it, and it did to one extent, they were doing a lot in England. So they would tour England. Okay. Um, and I, I think I, start, I had Ellie two years after we were married. Okay. So um, I think she came, Ellie came on our first tour in America. And then we toured every April after that. So, 
America became another second home to us and a tour bus. So yeah, for the whole so every April, April you every April for a month, three weeks to a month, we would tour. However, like many kids and yeah, however many, old yeah. they were. And I think one of the last tours there was seventeen children. Oh, I think gosh. it was something crazy like that. Because so everyone in the band did everyone that. Everyone in the band brought their kids, and we had three buses. And it was unbelievable. I mean, some of them were... It was a pretty full-on time. Yeah. Um, but it, it speaking to my children now, they're one of their best holidays, best memories. Really? And a lot of them were their cousins because of the band. Yeah. Um, the relationships are that a lot of them are brothers-in-laws and brothers. So it was it was a close-knit. We all came from the same village that we could walk to called Rustington. So it was a very close Yeah, um, you're all family. doing it together. Which we all know, family is great when it's great and awful when it's awful. And we had all of that. Yeah, so we but so in, it must have been so intense. So intense. But the thing I think that helped us is we had a vision and a goal and yeah. a purpose. And that was yeah. the same for all of us. And rather so than I just like three families on buses on exactly, holiday. Exactly, exactly. With all the children... Were part, we went to all the gigs that we could to watch their dads mm. because the dads would be away during the year as well and this yeah, was the one opportunity okay. that they got to see what their dads did which was an incredible privilege so the rest of the time were they st- away quite a lot of they the time they were away a lot of the time um, they had a rule that they would only be away for 10 days at a time okay. but sometimes they'd be away for 10 days come back for 3 and then be gone again and so sometimes you're like listen the 3 days are a killer you know why you're coming back jet lagged and I'm yeah. exhausted and the children dad's home on now dad's gone again but that yeah. did that that was kind of cool because they could plan around holidays a little bit um, and nativities and Christmas. They, they they did make some of those. And if somebody was having a baby, they obviously would put that time aside. So it was a busy... But that must be crazy because you had six kids in that whole time. Yeah. So would you have like a tiny baby sometimes and loads of other kids and then he'd just go off for 10 days? Absolutely. Um, and I think there was... I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think... When the times were tough, I think, looking back, I wish I'd reached out to more people. But I think there was a, a sense of me that was, I've chosen this. I've decided to have six children, yeah. so I will, I will keep going. Like, um, this was my choice. And there was something in that that kept me fighting. But I think I wish I'd been a little bit more... Um, humble, a little bit more vulnerable, a little mm-hmm. bit more like actually you can struggle with two children, just just quite similarly to struggling with six. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are other things that come into play, but I also know people that have got one child and really struggle, yeah. and then they feel like they can't say anything because I've got six, and I'm like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so I wish I'd been looking back a bit a bit more um, honest. But so how did you cope, though? I mean, I can't yeah. imagine. Again, it was just like, I loved it. It was my dream. I'd always dreamt of having a large family. So I never dreamt of having six. I always thought four was, was large. So when I got to four and I was like, actually, I'm loving this. And mm-hmm. Martin was loving it. Even though he was away, he loved coming back to them. And he was a fantastic dad. He would be the first coming in the door. He'd be changing the nappies and... Even if it was a bit jet lagged, he'd be the first up taking them to school. He was really, really, which really, I felt really honoured by that. I wasn't mm. dumped on, I wasn't, 
um, I've been working. Like he very much valued me and what mm. I was doing, mm. and knew he couldn't do what he was doing without me. Mm. So it was a team. It was a team thing. I'm not saying that it was easy, and I'm not saying that some days I didn't throw things at him <laughs> <laughs> because I was exhausted and tired and angry. But it was it was a team, and it did work, and we we loved it. We just loved. The children, the joy, the house was filled with fun, mm. um, often tears, and we would all cry as well. So it was, I don't know, I just, it felt full, and that's what I was brought up with as well. I'm one of five, mm. and my mum very much lived open house. We had all sorts of people coming in and out, and I loved that feeling of being around people and lots of children. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. But what you said before about how um, you always felt equal, but mm-hmm. you felt like, you know, your role was totally different. Because Martin's like, on stage, people see him, know him. And whether that, you know, I, I think, like, seeing you guys and knowing you, see that there's kind of quite an equal mm-hmm. sort of feel between you. But obviously, like, the roles look very different. Yeah. When me and Miles got married, we thought, oh, we'll... And until we had children, it felt like we were very equal um, in what we were doing. And when I, we had children, I thought we'd do things very equally. Like, it, that's what makes... I thought that's what makes mm. equality in a marriage yeah. is, like, he does half the childcare, I do half the childcare, he does half the housework, I... That's, like... Yeah. And if it's not that, then it can't be equal. But then I've... Time... It hasn't really... It just doesn't quite work mm. like that, and it hasn't worked like that. And it's working... Well, what does actually make... Yes, it feel like you're you're equal that the relationship is equal. It seems like you guys hmm. have that, but how do you? I think it's by talking really honestly about the things that you don't mm. feel are equal. Mm. And I think there are definitely seasons where it hasn't felt equal, and and that can be from all sorts of different reasons. And mm. I think being able to what Martin is great at is. He, he does value, and so he will listen. If I don't, if I don't think something's fair, mm. he, he will listen to that, and he will have a conversation, and I don't know. I don't know how you just, as with lots of things, you work out your role um, in that season, and it changes as your children get older, mm. as you have more time. But I think especially when the children are young, um, I think it was... You know, that was what I loved doing as well. So it was what my passion was. Um, I loved those early years. And as they got older, I could see Martin loved them when they were little. He not loved them, but he, he found his place when they were actually able to talk a bit more. And, yeah, I just think talking about it and learning through that what doesn't work. <laughs> learning yeah. through your oh my gosh, that, this isn't working for me. Mm. I'm really, really struggling here. Mm. And how can we make this better? And So I think just being really honest yeah. rather than getting really frazzled and um, bitter mm. about things not being fair. Just, and, But it is, it's a two-way thing, definitely. Mm. If it is just always one way, I think that must be really tricky. Yeah, because I think, you know, like, there's lots of stuff that's come out today of, like, the impact that COVID's had on, Mm. because so many women are taking on even more, like, homeschooling, all the, like, household chores, and a lot of men just continuing with their 
jobs and I can totally see how that happens and part of it feels like that's so unfair that that's still the society that we're in but then I look at stuff and like at the moment Miles is plumbing so he has to be out like you can't do that from home so although he is actually amazing and we try you know he has done homeschooling before that and we've worked stuff out but Mm. still the majority of it I've been doing which I never thought I would like that wasn't that wasn't the roles we talked about when we got married but I don't feel disempowered in it mm. though definitely mo- if I feel like he's like snuck off in the middle of a work day to like go for a walk with someone <laughs> or like go for a massage in the day so he could do that then I'm like what <laughs> but there is something of like working out what does you know what is it that really and makes you kind of feel that power balance I guess of like we are in this yes. together just yes. because you've got that and you do that and I think a lot of societies is money is what gives you power because like the people that we yeah. value the more we value them the more we pay them yes and i was really thinking about parenting like that's the thing that doesn't get doesn't, you don't, doesn't don't get, get any money no, and no so mm-hmm. in everything else we're saying like the more we think you're doing a good job the mm-hmm. more we'll give you but it's like in this area of parenting you'll get less actually <laughs> you'll lose out on job opportunities you'll earn less the more you yeah. give to it and how, so how do we, like, yeah. do you I see that totally, in society? I, I see that in society, but when I see the fruit of those years that I have spent, mm. um, the quiet stuff, the stuff mm. that mums do that doesn't get seen, I am now seeing a little bit of fruit from those many, many years of doing that as they're going through their adolescent and early 20s. The people they're becoming, I, I have to... I, some, I, I think maybe it's to do with some of the unseen stuff that doesn't get that, mm. the same value. Mm. We don't get paid. We don't get a sticker. We don't get a badge. There's no certificate at the end of every day when we are, again, doing the wash, doing the... Mm. But I just, I just think there is something that I just believe that God sees in that, mm. that I think that those things aren't left unseen. Mm. I think he sees, and I think there is a reward. I think I believe, the kids see I that. Believe there is, and I, exactly. I think there is, there is something that your children connect with, no matter how small they are, mm. that they see your sacrifice, they see what you do, and mm. they're very aware of, um, yeah, of what's going on mm. in the room, the atmospheres, and the, the way you speak the way you're talking on the phone mm. to someone they're just aware of all of that and the things you still did like write a book and speak at lots of things it wasn't like you were <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I, and those were things which, which were great and I yeah I feel like I've accomplished if you mm. um, in, in some way those things but if you cut me through the middle and ask me who I am as a mother it's that's what I have given my life mm. to and that's what I feel um and not just to my own children I'm not talking mm. I'm a I just feel like I I want to cheer on mothers women their roles whether they have got jobs as well as are working you yeah. know mothers and I just yeah I, I just it's, it's a hard role yeah. and it doesn't get seen as the media puts it over as something that 
you know, you need something to add to it yeah. or you need more than that. Um, and some for some women, I, I, I agree, it, it does sometimes help. But um, also being a mum is, is enough. But you know, even for, for like parents who are working and then they're spending, they're still doing a lot of childcare. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like when people ask what you do, you feel like you have to say that side of it. Like you know, even if if you work one day a week, it's like, well, I do this, like, and that yes. sort of makes up for it. As though you have to sort of yeah, add pass. on. Yeah, you have Absolutely to add on best. or expand that, and that or that's the bit that sort of gives you value and purpose in society, mm-hmm. not the other. Yes the other stuff and yes. you know that's how people define themselves is that absolutely thing not the not the parenting but I think one of the things that why you're such a sort of role model why you're such an amazing mum and role model is because you can see that sort of attention mm-hmm. intentionality about it and how you parent that they are so easy to kind of just there can be quite a sort of like let's just get through the day sort of thing like or who can't particularly at my sort of stage with small kids it's like who's waiting for like seven o'clock obviously tonight <laughs> when I went to bed 40 minutes early I was looking I forward it. to that but I don't want to live for like 7 yes. p.m because yes. that's actually quite a depressing way to to live I through this that. stage and it's but and I think that's why you know you're such someone that I would want to like hear from if I do it because when people are like intentional about what they do they've thought about it rather than just like ah, I'm it's, you know I've had kids and now I've got to kind of yeah. get through it yeah. rather than thinking like this is you know even if there's there's work it's part-time full-time it's still Absolutely. if you've got kids and you're a mum or a dad like this is your this is your job this is it? part of it yeah and it's yeah. If the money isn't that, it's still seeing this as like a huge yeah. thing to do, and so a, important. And a, because if it was a job and you're paid, probably it it does give a different sense of value. But yes. I think that's what it is. It's if you could get if you were paid millions to do your job, how well how better would we be doing? Would we be doing yeah. it? And I think that's what I kind of feel. The value of it is priceless. Mm. The value of being a mother is. I just feel so honoured to be a mother as well. I feel very fortunate to be able to be called a mother. Yeah. Um, and I'm going back to what you're saying about when you've got children, young age, and feeling that quickly get to them. Honestly, I've been there so many mm. times of that feeling of, oh my gosh, can today quickly be over because I'm exhausted. And I, especially when you've got babies that are up at night, I will never, ever forget that almost brain fog that mm. you get during the day where you cannot function um, and you get quite emotional and you don't really know why. I can really relate. Mm-hmm. I remember those really quite dark moments very, very well. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't quickly get through. I, I remember the overwhelming feeling of sleepless nights and um, just not knowing how to get through mm-hmm. your day. Um, and that's a real thing that isn't something that you just say lightly I remember thinking I'm not sure I don't I don't know how to get through Mm. Um, and so there are those real moments for mums whatever yeah but I think that um, what you would love you know why you're doing it you know why you're doing it and it isn't to be seen or to get a medal or to get paid you're not going to get those things but you know that you you will it's the knowing that God knows and 
you know, he sees it all. Yeah, and believing who these people are going to become. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I look at your kids, I'm like, how did you do it? They're just extraordinary. Like, mm. I just feel like every single one of them is really unique, very talented and driven. I mean, Indy's taught me more about cleaning than anyone else. <laughs> taught me more about cleaning. Nobody's <laughs> seen my house the mum. We need to sort this out. <laughs> Levi edits the podcast and he's oh. like, seems to have more businesses than anyone I know even before yeah. he's like turned 18. I mean, they're just like, <laughs> shouldn't start naming oh, them. Should, no. should say something about each one of them because they all just seem like yeah. very talented and unique. And when you see them, kind of see them with their friends, like everyone's sort yeah. of drawn to them. I was thinking, like, how did you, like, mm. do that? How did do you, I mean, I have, like, so many questions. <laughs> but how did you make them like that? How do you, like, encourage their different gifts You've and just skills? Said, that's exactly it. Just encourage what you see. Um, I remember India's uh, a two-year-old, and she would be, somebody would fall over, and she'd be the first to bandage their knee. And I was like, here comes little nurse Indy. Look at you. You're amazing. Like, encouraging what you mm. see. Um, I, mean, I mean, there are so many things you can say about encouraging and saying, telling them how to be. Do you know what the bottom line is, honestly? Because they're watching you. Mm. They're watching how you talk to people behind people's backs. Mm. They're watching how you chat with the lady at the cash deal. They're watching us, and as frightening as it is, no matter what mm. I want to say or who I want to be, I know actually they're just, they are, they're watching us and they're, I mean, they tell me where I messed up, and they, but I think that that's it. You can't yeah. make them be... It's quite scary. I, yeah, it is a bit scary. It is a bit scary. But I think I think the whole thing of encouraging and keep that open relationship, mm. don't let anything shock you. That would be one thing that, you know, nothing can shock me. They can say whatever they want, mm. and I won't bat an eyelid. I might go upstairs and sob my eyes out with it <laughs> when they've gone to bed. But at that moment... I just take on board, right, come then, let's let's walk through yeah. this one. That was one of the things I was going to say, how do you like get that sort of honest openness with yeah. them that they are up for talking, you know, coming and telling you what's... Yeah, and it starts at two, it starts when they can talk, it starts when they're, you can see that they're thinking about something, talk to me about what's going on, what are you thinking about right now? Mm. And again, that's just engaging in where they are and knowing that they can speak about those emotions, those feelings, getting them to know that you're a safe place um, and that they can speak honestly. Um, you don't talk to everybody about this sometimes, but sometimes there are family areas. I just think as they get older, they want to talk to other people outside of the family, and I think that that's a whole different issue than it is when they're mm. younger. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think... when As, they as get, in they'll confide in different people yeah. as they get older. And I think creating people, having people around, not creating people, but having good influences, Mm. aunties, uncles, youth, you know, Mm. church youth groups, or good friends at school that they can really Mm. open up to, because it isn't always going to be you, and I found that hard, as they've got into their teenage years, they they haven't always turned to me, and I'd be like, oh, I thought we had this relationship, (laughs) and sometimes they have, and sometimes they haven't, Mm. and you know, and I've just been really thankful the people they have turned to because mm. they've really helped them. Mm. 
but also, I mean, so in your home, you've got six kids. I mean, obviously, now they're not all there, but you've had six kids. And when we came to stay, or I think just after, you then had, like, Windy, the homeless guy, move in. And you just always had people. I mean, you, we came to stay and let us come and, like, join you for dinner. And you have all these people. And you said that when, like, your food delivery comes, I think you're having a party. Because <laughs> you just, yeah. like, have had... Obviously, it's COVID, so it's different now. But you've just had this, like, open home which is like all these people coming in but how have you been able to give attention to your mm-hmm. kids because I find with mine like even yesterday one of them was like you're not giving me enough attention absolutely I'm like there are three of you how did you do it with like six and other people yeah and I think the other people help I think <laughs> adding a few more in can help um I I think that was the one thing I, I struggled with there with um having lots of children the one thing you can't give them is time you Mm. can't that is one of the sacrifices to having a big family is I haven't got enough time for each and every one Mm. of them so I think that is something that you've just got to realize but also make sure that when you do have some time that you can you can carve out time for each and it Mm. is important for Mm. them so I've tried to carve out those moments but um very often what I've I've noted is that having lots of people in the house, as I said just a minute ago, they often want to go and speak to somebody else about something and having great people in the home and being able to uh, cultivate that sort of relationships has been really helpful. Your kids obviously do really well in that environment, but I've heard some people sort of worried of like that their kids or, or kids who grew up with lots of stuff going on feeling like they didn't get attention from their yeah. parents which obviously it, but how like yeah how I do you work that out and then that would be one thing that they would often you know I just needed you there and hands up you know we weren't there all the time we like we would just be really honest yeah. I'm so sorry that we weren't there for you in that time mm. that you needed us we you, you've just got to be really honest and just ask for forgiveness just say I'm sorry um and that's with the stuff that they remember and are talking to you about yeah. Um, and I think other things will crop up as they get older. I mean, my, my youngest is 13 and my oldest is 23. And so I think as life still, I'm yeah. still in that lots of adolescence and early yeah. early teen, uh, early 20s. So I think it's just, you're just adapting. But when you know maybe you've let one of them down or you haven't, I just think to quickly say sorry. Don't, yeah. don't do yourself in about it. I'm you know quick to forgive just 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 say sorry if yeah. you've let them down and don't do yourself in about it because I think you know that doesn't just help anybody yeah and we'll get it I guess everyone's going to get it wrong yeah at some point everyone's going to get it wrong we all get it wrong There's no... a lot of the time <laughs> yeah a lot of the time and it's just being able to forgive yourself yeah. allow yourself to get it wrong and not not do yourself and that's when Martin's very good for me as well because he'll say that's all right, they're all right, come on, new day tomorrow. And he's very good at helping me, kind of, otherwise I can, like, oh, but I've done, what if I've damaged them, you know? What am oh, I, I always think this? that. I know. And so you just got to think, oh, tomorrow is a new day, and we can, as long as we can we talk We can about say it, sorry. And we can say sorry. Yeah. And talk about the things that, I guess that's, and they learn that then, where if you can Again, say to them, sorry, sorry then... They can do that as well. Yeah, and they do. How did you do discipline? Huh? <laughs> discipline. Oh, I was actually thinking gosh. today I was having a really difficult moment outside oh. school and I was like, 
I'm going to ask Anna tonight what oh, I should have done in this situation. So, go on, tell me, what happened then? So it's after, pick, first day back at school, yeah. day to pick them up, and um, they just really wanted to go to the park. Yeah. But Miles was home from work early, so I said, no, we're going to go home. And also it's like, didn't know in this, how many, how, what's the sort of vibe of going to the park, because the old head said don't go to the park anyway so it's like covid mixed with actually we're just not going to go but desperate to go first day back seeing friends and kate went and asked his best friend is he going he's going his best friend's going and he's not going and then it's just like in such a a grump and didn't want to walk then and then i still had to go and get freedom and he didn't want to move because i'd said we weren't going to the park so Mm -hmm. how do i like so what did you do i just said we're just not going and even if you're really grumpy, and if you're really grumpy about it, we're not going to go all week. Fantastic! Exactly. Exactly I what know. I would have done. But they're exactly still not moving, I'm... so I'm like, "Let's go, darling. <laughs> Off we go, my love." Everyone's like coming out of school. Get out of the bike. Oh, it's so tough, isn't it? So like, there, is, there isn't. I don't think there is. I mean, everybody knows their own child and discipline, like. I did so many things wrong, but I also, I think we do things that are right. We have that instinct of like, do you know what? You're not going to speak to me like that. Yeah. I'm not going to be bossed around by you yeah. today. Actually, I've, you know, that we're going to draw a line under this today. And I think that's really good for them. And they yeah. really, um, even if they don't respond well at the time, and I think they can have a little strap and make it quite difficult for you. I think there's something in you that knows where your line is yeah. in discipline. And that is different for everybody. But I do think that I want to cheer people on on their lines and think, yeah, do you know what? I, I get that. Mm. If you don't have any lines, I think children can be yeah. can lose the plot a bit. Mm. I think we all need all of yeah. us need yeah. lines. But they, they know that I they even said the other day that I'm not strict and Miles is strict. I said well, not strict at all. I thought I was quite strict. Like, not at all. I was like, oh, no. No, you're that lovely mum. That lovely mum that my children always wanted. No, and then I've got, got to be strict. Mom. Were you quite strict? I mean, I to be like... Strict. I was very boundaries. I And they... But that's good for them. It, that was, always... it was the only way it could happen. It was the only way we were going to get out the door. It was the only way we could get out of the park. It was just... They just had to know the rules. And... To be honest with you, Ellie was a really good firstborn, so she did help me rally. And of course, you just have to say, first one with their shoes on, who can get their shoes on first? You know, it's all a game. If I still yeah. do that with Mary now, she's 13. If I, if I need her to do something, I'm like, right, Mary, I'm going to count to 30. If you can go up and get that by 30, and she's like, on it. Like, so, so all those little tactics you think you can use. When they're little, they still they, they still, still work. Because if you were, how would you? Because that's the thing. Some you must have been like lots of people watching, and you've got six kids, yeah. and if someone's like out of line, which they were, of course. But they were. what did you do? So you just I I really wasn't into shaming. I wasn't a shouty mum. I don't mm. I don't really like shouting. Um, I was definitely a grab their hand really strong. And then take them to a private place in the park or in the corner and make sure everybody else is safe, by the way. <laughs> they just go somewhere. But just make sure and then just kneel down, look them in the eye and just speak really strongly, clearly. 
to what you're expecting of them and what you need them to do. Um, and just say, you know, I know this is tough, understand them, but also say what you, you think, what's going to happen um, and what the... Um, what might happen when, when they get home as well. <laughs> what would that be, though? That would, that, that would definitely be something like what you did about taking away something or, OK, you're not going to be able to do this uh, for, I don't know, their favourite game or something that they would love to do, you know, would, that wouldn't be happening, play date that they were going to the next day, something like that. Mm-hmm. You would just, I would say something like, I'm not sure that's going to happen tomorrow with your attitude today mm. we're going to have to think about that so it just I just would let them know that I was in charge mm. I think that's it as long as they know you're in charge and that it doesn't no matter crying or falling on the floor that's not going to win with mm. me in fact that's going to do the opposite just like you did that will mean you're not going on any play dates for the rest of the week yeah if that's what happens so I think it's just been really clear and mm. never budging on it never budge on those things but you just got to be really careful what those things are <laughs> Because if you're not going to budge on them, it, you know, you, yeah. it can't be food. Or <laughs> I tended not to use food as a punishment or a bedroom as a punishment or a, a night. I don't know. Something that you actually Something don't want. That you actually that's the thing is sometimes... Do being like you can't watch anything I'm like that's actually how I make dinner for you <laughs> yes. so I really want you to watch something because now you're like at my feet how am I going to do this so true so yeah that is yeah. yeah so did you was like it was like taking things away and sort of having those clear boundaries yeah not so much it would be things like play dates or um yeah if it was if there was a game that they really wanted were playing all the time I would mm. just say right we're just going to put that away for a bit I want you to think about what you've done. I want to think, and they sometimes would write letters, beautiful letters under my pillow, just saying sorry or Sweet. you know it's beautiful. But that was their way of realizing they needed to do. Mm. It's really important to teach them mm. rather than shaming them that they they can also respond. They mm. can say sorry. They can have. Um, they're capable of doing mm. that if it's writing a letter or coming up to you and saying, "Really sorry, mummy. That's mm. that's just beautiful." Mm. And then there is redemption. They might not get their toy back, <laughs> but there is like, um, thank you for saying that. That means a yeah. lot. You know, mummy was sad when you did that. Mm. Um, so yeah, just that sort of stuff. And how do you get them to have good relationships with each other? Yeah, I think by being in probably quite different circumstances around the world. Mm. I think they realised that being together, they experienced stuff together. Mm. We, we did trips to India, Africa, and they experienced quite a lot at a young age. Mm. They saw quite a bit, children on rubbish tips mm. and surviving. And I think through those experiences, they really did mm. kind of maybe realise that family and friendships are really important. Mm. I'd hope they did. I hope that would be one of the reasons. Yeah, I mean, that is... Because I remember one of them saying to me, like, they've just got each other. They don't really feel the need for, like, lots of friends because they're, they're, yeah. they're such a good, like, unit. Yeah, which is great and sad. I, lo- I love both of those things. I think that's a lovely thing to say, but mm. also I I don't want them to grow up being self... I, we all need people outside our bubbles, outside our worlds, outside our... I don't yeah. know. We're, we all could keep very safe and secure, and that isn't life. That isn't how life always goes. Yeah. I mean, they're so driven as well, though. I mean, they are. Yeah. But 
And do you feel like seeing, you know, you and Martin have had this like big impact and are sort of well known and in the kind of Christian world mm. and whether I sort of look, I just interviewed my um, my aunt and my dad and I'm like, oh my gosh, they have just like achieved so much. There's no way I'm going to achieve what yeah. what they do. And whether you feel that for your, I mean, your kids are all going to achieve so much. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But whether you feel like that need to protect them from expectations Absolutely. of what you expect for them or what other people are going to put on them. I think all of those conversations we're having have had and are still having around mm. the table because I think. Um, it's great when people succeed but also in, there are failures there are things that go wrong mm. and it's great when everything's going well but how do you, in a family that is all succeeding, how do you do it when something doesn't work out, how do you cope when all your other brothers and sisters are flying with something yeah. and so I'm aware of when things don't all go to plan how, how do we respond to that yeah. how do we talk about that, how do we support each other in those moments mm. it's all great when it's all great but that's not life either, that's not yeah. how it rolls. And very often, um, I know for, for Ellie and Tom, they've had, Ellie has been out of work, obviously during COVID she wasn't mm. able to tour. Um, and they've just been incredibly entrepreneurial and started up with Brighton in the Box. I know, just, You know, out of something that could have been a really tough year for yeah. them. Um, and I think that again comes from just people cheering them on, being mm. in a in an atmosphere, a community here in Brighton where people do cheer you on and say, well, you know, what what else can we do? And that's Tom and Ellie, that's them. Yeah, but that's, that's quite nature. an amazing way to be Absolutely. about it and for so entrepreneurial to be able to yeah, so, so quickly create a new business yeah, that's taking off. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So I, I'm all, I love achievement. I love the feeling that, I, I love ticking a box and feeling like you've done something, but I'm... Um, and, and success is great, but I don't want to live for that. That's not what I'm living yeah. for. I don't think success and achievements, no matter how great they are, are what I want my children to live for. I want them mm. to, to succeed in all that God's got for them and love what they do rather than do something because it's achieving. So mm. I'm, I'm very much in, in those conversations behind the scenes of mental health, knowing yeah. how they're doing, um, and during this COVID time, it's been really tough for a lot of them, mm. you know, a lot of, especially teenagers. Um, so I think, I think it's all keeping it all in balance. It's great, but also, you know, things aren't always great yeah. that look great. So it's, it's keeping everything in balance and talking about it all. Yeah. Talking about how people are really doing, even when everything's shining on the outside. How are you feeling? What's going on? Mm. You know, I can see you're not quite right today. Have you got any worries? What's I think it's that. It's that yeah. asking them the questions, not thinking you know how they are just because everything looks good. Yeah. Just just ask. Just be interested. And that yeah. comes from honestly being interested in people, honestly wanting to be involved in their lives. Mm. Um, yeah. That's been the season. <laughs> Um, one other, one question that I try to like always ask people is what sort of greatest inequality or injustice they see mm. in the world right now, and I just wondered what you oh. would say oh. about that. That's a great question. I think what we said about mother not being enough. I think I find that a real injustice mm. that women always feel they have to add on. 
they have to be something more than a mother. Mm. And I find that as an injustice. I think the role of a mother has been made into something which isn't enough. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, no. Anna. No, so good so lovely, I could so like lovely. ask you I feel like I could need a whole series of just like no, parenting no, advice with Anna no 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 I'm gone forever I love this it's so much fun <laughs> thank you so, so much no, thank you for having me that's so thank you for listening to this podcast conversations on faith and quality we hope that you've enjoyed it Please tell your friends about it, like, subscribe and hopefully there'll be more coming soon.